I want to talk this morning about coming to terms with God, and I want to take a, a part of 2 Corinthians and read a text there, and it's about Paul's testimony where he really had to come to terms with God, and it sets up kind of an example as how we need to do the same thing, because even though he did it several thousand years ago, if you want to look at it that way in the first century, um, nothing really changes. Brother Steve talks about Sunday school reading current events of, of what's going on now, and then he'll read something from the, and it ain't, it's no different. It's the same devil, it's the same everything that's going on, the same spirit that tries to drag us all down. But we've got to rise above that and be the child of God God wants us to be. So if you'll turn to 2 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, we'll look to the Lord in prayer. Thank you, Lord, again for the opportunity to open your eternal word and learn not only from uh, what the, you have to say to us, but what is a personal testimony, if you would, of one of your servants that, Lord, will guide us into how to be what we should be for you. So help us to come to terms with that, Lord, and just to settle our hearts down, get in tune with your spirit and your word, the two witnesses that you gave us, that we can walk forward in this life being what you have called us to be. So bless in every way we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to read the first uh, 10 verses in, first, in 2 Corinthians 12. It says, It is not expedient for me doubtless to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I knew a man in Christ about 14 years ago. Whether in the body, I cannot tell. Whether out of the body, I cannot tell. God knows. Such a one was caught up into the third heaven. And I knew such a man. Whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell, God knows. How he, that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words which is not lawful for man to utter. Of such an one will I glory, yet not myself will I not glory, but in mine infirmities. For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool, for I will say the truth. But now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that he heareth of me. Now, verse 7 is what we're going to kind of nail down. And lest I should be exalted above measure, through the abundance of revelations, there was given me a thorn in the flesh the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, and it came and it, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for in my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest on me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, persecutions, and distresses. For Christ's sake, we, for we will, for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul came to terms with God in the situation he was facing. He had a thorn in the flesh. What was it? Now, we'll get to that here in a little bit. None of us know because he didn't tell us. 
But he had some issues that was he felt like was holding him back. And when he prayed to God, God assured him, that's not your problem, Paul. Well, you got other things to worry about besides that. All right, we see in verse 1 as we started there, that Paul writing to these Corinthians, and he's... Uh, uh, in his, if you would, walk of salvation with God going through a lot of things that he went through. Now you can go back and read the book of the book of Acts and find out a lot of things that Paul went through. You can read all the letters of the New Testament and see all the things that Paul faced. And even in uh, 2 Corinthians here, if you wanted to back up to the, the 11th chapter and read down from verse 16 to the end of the chapter, he even lists a lot of the things that he personally has faced. Um, so he said of the Jews in verse 24 that he five times received 39 stripes. You know what that means? In the Jewish law, they weren't allowed to slap you with stripes, and that's taking a bullwhip, so to speak, so just so you get a mental picture, and whip you with a bullwhip. Okay? Now they weren't allowed to do that if they thought you was a bad guy or you did something wrong or they wanted to straighten you out. They were not allowed to give you 40 stripes. All right? You know what the dividing line between 39 and 40 is? 40 meant you got the death penalty. In other words, they could kill you if you was sentenced to 40 stripes. So you had to be super, super bad to get that. He said five times, I came within one stripe of them killing me. Huh. He must have lived with a pretty rough neighborhood, didn't he? Amen. Then he said, not only that, I was beaten with rods, I was stoned, I shipwrecked, I've been in the ocean for days, and I've been everywhere. Robbers and uh, my own countrymen and heathens, they've all come after me. I've had all these problems, and he says he goes, he lists them right down through here, um, and none of us have had it that bad. Uh, you know, we think somebody looks at us funny. We were in tribulation. Amen. Paul really did suffer. So we can see that he spells it out to us in chapter 11 there, what he uh, faced and endured just to be a pastor, a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I realize God used him in a great way, and we find it in the second chapter of Acts that when uh, Jesus had uh, appointed his 12 disciples, and one of them ended up being a stinker, and went out and committed suicide, the other 11 felt like it was their job to appoint somebody to take that 12th spot as the disciples of Christ. Well, they picked out a fella, and uh, he was probably a really good fella. But the God never did use him. You never hear his name again in the New Testament after they picked that fella out. All right? But in God's plan, now remember, God does everything in due time. That's when he says it's right. In the right time, in the right season, he picks out who he wants to carry on the work he has for them to do. And of course, he, according to all the New Testament that we can read, he picked out Paul to be, if you would, the minister to the Gentiles. If you know back in the, the first century, you was one of two groups. You was either a Jew or you was a Gentile. They looked at it as people who believed in God and those that didn't. That was it. There's no middle ground. There's no joining the church. There's no shaking everybody's hand or, or getting involved in anything other than that. You was one or the other. 
a lot of people look at today, well, I can go this far, but not that far, and I can join this church, and they, uh, they're happy with what I've done in that situation. But when Paul um, faced a, come to face to face with Christ, if you would, you can read about it in the book of Acts, where he was on his way to Damascus. And he, on, the, on the road to Damascus, he saw a light shine out of heaven, brighter than the noonday light. And it blinded him. And they took him by the hand and led him into town. And God talked to a man there named Ananias. He said, I want you to go down and pray for Paul. He said, no way. At that point, his name was Saul. And Ananias said, wait a minute, God. We need to talk about this. This guy's terrible. He'll put me in jail if he sees me and knows that I'm a Christian. I don't stand a chance against him. Not only that, he's probably got the authority to, from the king or the governor to do whatever he wants to me. You know, I'm just not really up to the beating that I think Paul would give me or the, the jail time or whatever. I'm just not up to that, Lord. I'm, surely you've got somebody else that can go down and pray. He said, don't worry about it. I've already talked to Paul's heart. He went down, prayed for him, and Saul received his sight. From that point forward, Paul, I guess you could say, uh, then had a coming to terms with God. He saw God was the one that he needed to walk after. Well, so when we look at this first verse in chapter 12, Paul says that I'm not telling you all the things I went through. Now, you've got to remember the chapter break really wasn't there when Paul wrote the letter. So he tells all of what happened in, verse, in chapter 11. And in verse 12, he said, I'm not going to tell you all of this stuff just to brag on myself. I, th- there's no bragging rights in what I've done for God, I just want to prove to you and let you see both in my speaking to you and my walk as you see me walk through life how good God can be if you just come to terms with God. Just settle it with God and come what may, shipwreck it don't matter, beaten, stonings, whatever, Uh, it'll have to be that I'm going to trust God for whatever comes my way from now on. So I'm not bragging about myself. I'm only speaking this to tell you how great God can be in your life if you just come to terms with him. Amen? And he says, after I, Paul, he says, I've given, uh, uh, God has given to me many revelations and visions, he tells us in that first verse there. You know, now Paul wasn't one that walked around, if you would, and held hands with the other disciples while Jesus was still on earth. And in fact, Paul was kind of younger than a lot of those folks, and he really didn't see himself as part of that group. He was part of the, uh, the group that was out to get Jesus and his boys, and so he didn't get, and a lot of the things he learned, he learned by revelation and vision. Now, you know, you can get a revelation and vision from God and get your own walk with God when you come to terms with him. But you know what will happen every time you get one? It will line up with what the Holy Spirit and the Word of God have to say to your heart and life. You're not going to get any kind of extra revelation or extra vision of some sort where that makes you more special to God than anybody else. And Paul said, now I learned that way because I fought against 
Christ and the disciples. He didn't say that, but that's what we know he's trying to tell us because of how he went about what he did when Christ was here on earth. He had all those guys, if you would, in his crosshairs to go gather them up to persecute them. Amen? Well, let me say this about the word of God in, in a person's life. The more we give, the more we are to share with others and with those that come in contact with us, the more God will share with us. All right, the reason Paul was so greatly used of God in his lifetime because God was so greatly used of Paul. It works both ways. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. As Christians, we are as spiritual as we want to be. Amen? Always remember that. So if you think you're not up to par, whose fault is it? Okay. And we're used of God as much as we're willing to be used. And so if God has something great for you, God expects something great of you. And that's demonstrated through the life of not only Paul, but all the apostles and those that uh, tread that path before us in the New Testament. So we un need to understand that God does want to use us, but we have to come to terms with God and do it on his terms. You see, in verse 2, Paul says, I knew a man about 14 years ago. Now, you know who that man was? That was Paul. He talking about himself. He'd been saved now about this. Now I assume that. Or he didn't say his name, so I'm assuming that and that the way it writes out throughout the scriptures here. Paul's was in his, if you would, a Christian walk with God for about 14 years at this point. And he said, there was a time when I came to grips with God and we had our things straightened out, if you would. And I believe, uh, as he was talking about himself, uh, he realized it's not for me to brag about myself that I say this. I'm not saying it in a braggadocious way. I'm saying it so you understand where I'm coming from and how God can use you just like he used me. Amen? Now, I went back in the, in the book of Acts in chapter 14. I'm not going to go back there and read it. But Paul here was talking about when he went to a town called Lystra. Now, Paul was just going from town to town preaching the gospel, you know, just a traveling preacher, if you would. When he got there, um, he preached in a certain place, and there was a man in the audience whose feet was messed up in some way or another. He, he couldn't walk, he, you know. So Paul looked at him, and he says in the scripture, I felt like the Holy Spirit was moving on me to touch that guy and heal him. So I just said to him, said, man, why don't you just stand up and walk in the name of Jesus? And the guy jumped up, started running around. Well, what do you think that does to the congregation that not only saw what Paul did, heard what Paul did, and seen the results of what Paul did? Man, oh man, they wanted to lift him to the highest heavens. You're the greatest. They even called him a god, though that's with a small g. They thought he had power beyond the heel. That'd be something great. Amen. Right? And a lot of you people, that have you been sick and went to the doctor and he healed you? And then you meet somebody else 
that has, if you would, the same scenario or issue that you had, what do you tell them? Man, I went to Dr. So-and-so, and he, he took care of me. Amen. You know? Now, if you had a, b- a bad issue and you went to a doctor and all he did was take your money, you're going to get on the Internet and you're going to say, everybody, don't bother going to him. He, he can't help you. All he wants is your... Amen. And there are probably some out there like that. Amen. Now, the bar uh, shouldn't give them a license to be a doctor if they do that, but some of them, you know, they're busy with other schedules, and that's kind of what it is. So he walked. Uh, this guy walked after Paul had told him to rise up and walk. Of course, he knew that Jesus did the same thing, so he, I guess if he had the same Holy Spirit in his life, he had the same power to do it too if the Holy Spirit moves on you to do those things. Now, that stirred up the people. Not only the ones that were glad the guy could walk, but can I, can, it, it boggles my mind when I read these things. I can't believe there were people who got mad about it. Huh? Yeah, they got all upset. You know what they did? They took Paul outside the city and stoned him. Well, they stoned him in the city and then drug him, I guess, unconscious or in a coma or whatever you want to say about it, outside the city and basically threw him in the, in the trash heap. Amen? And some of the brothers went out, you know, nice brothers. They was going to go out and pray for him. Of course, they figured he'd dead. Um, they just wasn't going to let him lay there and rot. They were going to put his body in, a, in a, some kind of a tomb situation. And they prayed for him, and guess what? He got better. Snapped out of it. How about that? It's one thing for you to heal somebody else, but it's another thing when God heals you, isn't it? Amen. So God moved on him, and, and they got up, and... Uh, he went back into town and of course the scripture says the very next day he didn't stick around to, to let everybody know he was okay because they would probably want to do a second stoning. Have you ever been restoned? Well, that's what they was going to try to do. Him and Barnabas left and they went to Antioch from there. So uh, when Paul talks about this man 14 years later, it could have been him. Amen. They thought he was already in dead. And it says that such a one was caught up to the third heaven. Huh. Did you know there's three heavens? I have preached that on all three of them. And the third heaven is where God lives. That's where we're going to dwell eternally. That's somewhere where you need to go. And he's, he's, Paul's even testifying here. He said, I got to tell you the truth about this guy that I know. that was in paradise in that third heaven. I don't know if he's alive or not. I don't know if he's in the body or out of the body. I just don't know. I don't know where I was at. I don't know how I was working out. Amen. Again, he's probably talking about the near-death experience he had in chapter 11 or many other events of his life to let these people know God is there if you'll come to terms with him. Amen. So when he uh, again starts speaking there in in the third verse, he repeats it. I know that man. Now, I don't know whether he's in the body or out of the body. Same thing he said in verse number 2. Amen? God knows. It may have been that uh, he faced these terrible uh, physical tortures, that it became, uh, he became unconscious in it or in a coma state or uh, maybe even physically passed away. But in this time in his life, God was strong on Paul's behalf. He wasn't finished with Paul. You can say, well, they're out to kill me. 
They can't touch a hair on your head unless God says so. Trust me. All right? No matter how Paul got there, he knew he was there. And in verse 4, he says he was caught up into paradise. Okay? And of course, we know what paradise is from other teachings in the Scripture. And I personally, thank God, have never been in that condition. But I have made an effort to touch base with people that I knew had, if you would, and the doctor said they're dead, and then they did this, that, or the other, or shocked, or beat, or jumped on, or kicked, or whatever, and got their hearts to going again and brought them back. Now, I have met several people that way personally. And I, I always had a in, inclination, I want to talk to them and see exactly from their mouth what happened while this condition was on their life. And I know a couple of them are here today, and I've known several others. But I went to, when you were what they would say comatose or uh, flatlining or uh, no heartbeat or whatever you want to say, what'd you see? What'd you hear? What was it like? Now, everyone that I've talked to personally said, I don't remember anything. I didn't see nothing. Didn't hear nothing. Don't remember anything. Uh, they just know that um, when they woke up, they were older than when they had went to sleep. Amen? Now, but I do remember that uh, also that there are movies out. You know? Hollywood put together a lot of movies. Some of them, I don't want to doubt, you know, the ones that what they call it, 90 Seconds in Heaven or that's a movie or something like that. And I know there are other times when other movies were made about certain situations where the person supposedly was dead and then they came back to life and they come back and have write a book, tell their story, put it in a movie, what all took place. Well, uh, Paul's kind of doing that in a way but he's kind of saying, you know, I don't even know if I was in the body or not. And I don't even know what I heard or seen. And that's not a really a big deal. But I know I got visions and revelations. And I want to walk according to those that I've seen. So I'm not really here to judge about those that have went on and come back or whatever. I believe in paradise. Even though I've never been there yet. And just the teachings of Jesus, the two witnesses, let me know I personally need to come to terms with God before I face paradise or the third heaven. I just need to know I need to really come to terms and rely on Him throughout the rest of my life. Because there's coming a day when paradise and the third heaven is going to be a reality for me. And I want to face it with a smile on my face. I don't want to, and I know if you don't make it to that one, uh, it sure beats the other place that you end up with if you don't meet God on his terms. But as I see Paul talking about this experience, it's like he's tiptoeing between testifying and bragging. He doesn't, want to, he doesn't want to seem bragging to those people in Corinth, and yet he feels the obligation to testify to them about what he experienced, what he has been through. So it's kind of a balancing act that he goes through in verse number 5. Amen? 
For such a one will I glory, yet not myself will I not glory, but in my infirmities, he's saying. I'd like to tell you all the things I've been through and how God helped me with all of them. But, you know, a lot of people just think, ah, that's just Paul bragging. So he kind of was on the balance trying to make sure he didn't lean one way or the other too far. Amen? So uh, let me say it again. If I've been to heaven or paradise and back, I'd have to be very careful about who I had a conversation with about that experience. I'd have to be really watch. Number one, I wouldn't want to turn somebody off of, ah, that's just dude. He just got an ego bigger than an ocean liner. Amen? I wouldn't want to do that. But on the other hand, I'd feel an obligation for those that wanted to know about it to tell them about it. Uh, I want to enlighten them on what's going on. It's awkward enough to talk to people that find out that I'm a pastor, let alone if I'd went to the third heaven and came back and tried to talk to them. Amen. There's a lot of people that like me until I, oh, you're a pastor? And I'm, they're basically done with me then. And it, it works the other way. There are people that kind of like me and they find out I'm a pastor. Then they want to get inside my shirt. They can't get close enough to me. They want to be my best friend. Hey, I, you know, I have to weigh all those out every time I meet someone of those kind of situations. Now, I need to see how they uh, react or respond to certain subjects when I speak on them. But for the church people, you already know me. Most of you have known me for decades. And I'm just dude. So you know when I say something to you, I'm not here to fool you. Amen. Now there's people that are not here any longer. I don't know whether they thought I was trying to pull the wool over their eyes or what I was trying to do when I spoke, but hopefully you see me as the same person whether I'm in the pulpit or you see me eating lunch at Bob Evans. It doesn't matter to me. I should be the same person. God should have the same control over my life one way or the other. And if I see you in the garage and I'm all covered in grease working like crazy, I should still be the same dude Evans you see when I'm in the pulpit. Here Paul's writing to people that might know of him, but may never have directly met him or heard him speak. And of course Paul um, just couldn't be everywhere all the time. Now he didn't cover a whole lot of territory in his lifetime um, in that part of Asia and, and Europe or wherever he went over there. Um, but he did cover enough that it was some traveling involved. And um, for today, it wouldn't have been a, anything. He could have gotten his Tesla and went from church to church, day, week in and week out. Not a problem. But uh, uh, to, in his day and time, he didn't get to stand in front of everybody every week like I've done for decades here. Amen. So in verse 6, when he says for, what's the word for mean? Because though I would desire to glory, it may not be the right thing to do. That, my desire is to brag on God about what he's done in my life. But you know what? Some people can't take it 
if you brag on yourself or brag on what God's done for them, you know what they want to do? They think they're better than you anyway. I'm just as good as you. I don't have to listen to what you got to say. Amen? They'd, they'd think that the focus, if I'd say something like, the focus is on me. Amen? It ain't dude. It's God through dude. That's the way I want to see it happen. I want to be truthful with all of you. But on the other hand, I want to forbear is what Paul said. I want to be the one that you can count on to tell you what's going on in my life and what God has done for me. If I brag on it, all that does is diminish the truth that I'm trying to, t to say to you or that you think of me as somebody special. No, because we all have to come to terms with God. Amen? I had to do it. And if you're going to make the third heaven your home, you've got to do it. It's all a part of God's plan. So uh, don't think of me when you read this, Paul saying. Uh, think of God. That's what Paul's point was here. I'm just Paul, a man. That's telling you the truth God gave me so we all can have the same knowledge of what God can do in a person's life. You know, now I have to tell you, I, I shake sometimes when I get around people that aren't doing well. I got to tell you the truth. Amen. And God says, I want you to pray for them. What do you think I do? Oh, God said pray, let's pray. Amen. Now, they may get better, and they may not. I've had some that came back to church, stood up and testified. The minute you prayed for me, I felt something move in my body, and I've been past all that, whatever it was, ever since. And then I've had people that I prayed for them. They came back next week, I had to pray for them again. Next week, I prayed for them again. And I don't get tired of praying for them, but it just seems like I'm not doing any good for them. It's, and why? It's not me. That's God's choice. He's going to do it in due time, his time, not my time. So I have prayed and seen answers, and I prayed and waited and waited and probably never did get the answers. Amen? There are people that you can pray for time and time and time again, and they never get the healing that they need. Now, I have to let you know, I believe this is just dude being two feet on the ground, earth dude, you know, I don't think it's my fault. If I do what God asks me to do, the results is in God's hands, not mine. Amen? So if you think uh, you got a, a disease or a problem or a situation, man, if I could just get dude to pray for me, everything's going to... No. You need to have faith and belief in God. You need to ask Brother Dude to preach for you or any other elder or any other saint that you think's got connections with God. Let them pray for you. The more the better. Amen? It's kind of like praying, God hears me when I pray, but if 10 of them are praying, it's like we're all praying with a megaphone. God's got to listen because listen to all that noise we're making. Amen? So we need to make sure what we do, we do it for the glory of God. And Paul is talking here. I wonder, he wants to teach these people about paradise, about heaven, the third heaven. He wants them to know that, but he doesn't want them to know it because he's been there or not, maybe not been there, but he didn't know he was in the body or not. But he had a vision and revelation of, <coughs> excuse me, of it. So when he gets to that point, 
He wants them to know that they need the same vision and revelation that God gave him. And in verse 7, it starts out with the word lest. Hmm. And lest. Now, lest is a negative word. It means in order not to. So whenever you see the word lest, remember he's reminding us something we shouldn't be doing. Don't go down that road. Amen? It's a, it means in order not to be like that. I don't want to be lifted up as someone spiritual just because God used me a little bit in some capacity in the teaching and spreading of the word of salvation. That's what Paul is saying in verse number 7. Amen? I don't want to go there, and I don't want to take you there. Yeah, I want you to know. And then he says in the next verse, Therefore, well, in, he uses the word there, not therefore. And so, therefore, Paul says, you know what therefore means, don't you? Based on what I just said, here's the answer to it. Therefore, uh, I want you to know that Paul says, I was given a thorn in the flesh. Hmm. A thorn in the flesh. Does anyone here, is there anyone here that doesn't know what it's like to have a thorn in the flesh, literally? Any of you ever had a splinter? Anybody that hasn't? I would think all of us by now, we're big enough to chew gum and walk at the same time, have probably had a splinter at one time or another. Maybe in your foot, because you didn't want to be uh, smart enough to put on shoes. You just thought you'd run out to the garage and back real quick in your bare feet, run to the mailbox, and you came back with a splinter, right? Or in your hand, because you put it where it shouldn't have went and you didn't have leather gloves on or whatever, everybody knows what it feels like to have, if you would, a thorn in the flesh or a splinter in your hand. Amen? So when Paul says that we've had, uh, he was given a thorn in the flesh, all of you know what that's like. You've been there. Amen? So whether you had it in your foot, your hand, or wherever, literally, I got to tell you, when that splinter hits, everything else stops. Amen? It can give you enough aggravation, enough pain, enough discomfort that even the littlest of splinters will stop you in your tracks. Amen? There are, I've even been around where sawdust was flying and get it in my eye. They call it a splinter in your eye, I guess. What do you stop? You stop everything you do and you go flush out your eye to get that dust or dirt out of it. That's something when a splinter gets involved or a thorn, you need to have it removed right away or get someone else to remove it. Amen? There are some places on my body, if I got a splinter in, I couldn't reach that far. I got to get someone else to pull it out. Amen? I can't reach my feet. They're down dead. I just grew too far away from them for some reason. But Paul felt that way about his situation in the spirit. Amen? He was uh, understanding that there are things going on in his life that he needs to have taken care of so that he can move forward in what he's doing. 
And he sets forth this splinter or thorn in the flesh scenario because I imagine just like all of us, the Corinthians knew what a splinter felt like or a thorn in the flesh. You know, over there, they probably uh, was run, running around in sandals and ran through the woods, through the brimbles and the briars, you know, looking for a rabbit or something for lunch and picked up a splinter. Amen? But Paul goes a little bit farther and says, Now, since you all know how bad it is to have a thorn in the flesh, let me tell you about mine. It's a little bit different than what you're thinking if you're thinking physically. Mine was spiritual. It was a messenger of Satan. Amen? He came to buffet me. You know what buffet means? Yeah, beat you up. Amen? Smack you around. Slap you. Whatever you want to call it, that's what he came. And now we know it's not a physical thorn that Paul was talking about here, but rather some kind of spiritual scenario, whether it's still impacting uh, him uh, in, a, in a way or not. It always attacks, if you would, the entire person. When your spirit has a problem in it, it's going to affect all of your spirit. Just like a thorn in your hand, in your right hand, will affect your left hand or your brain or anything else about you because it is something that puts everything else on hold till it gets taken care of. Amen? And that's why Paul felt about bragging about it because he knew bragging about this was useless to anybody else because uh, such bragging would put the light on the wrong subject. It would put the light on Paul and not what God was doing in his life. So whatever the devil is beating up Paul up over in this particular teaching, in verse 8, it says, For, which means because of this, I prayed three times. Amen. How many of you give up after three? Huh? I've been saved 47 years. There's some things I'm praying for today that I probably was praying for when I got saved 47 years ago. Amen? There are some of the same people that I pray for. Amen? That I prayed for 47 years ago. Amen? Three times don't seem like a lot. But to Paul, he was saying to these fellas, you guys think I'm something because you know I just went to Iconium and when I, or Lystra and while I was there I just stopped preaching for a while and told that guy to get up and walk and he did. Huh? Well you would think oh, I prayed for him and how many other people I prayed for that got healed you would think I could do that by myself. I could pray for Paul and he'd be healed, right? Well it doesn't always work that way fellas but uh, I prayed three times that this would be over with Gone, out of here, delivered, behind us. And God answered Paul's prayer, but not the way Paul wanted it answered. Amen? He says, nonetheless, in verse number 9, my grace is sufficient for thee. You know when God said that to Paul? It's, you know, you ever get one of those, uh, the light bulb goes off moments? And you know, we've all had them. Amen. For Paul, that was the light going off in his mind. Amen. I prayed three times, expected miracles, expected to be behind us and gone. And God says, I got something better for you. I got grace. 
Hmm. Wow. Paul, how about my grace? Will that work? Paul said, now that you mentioned it, I believe it will. No matter what the devil sends my way, your grace is better. It gets more done in my life than all the prayers I could send up. Amen? But nonetheless, my grace is sufficient for thee. Once Paul got that message from God, no matter what that splinter or thorn or whatever it was, it automatically became more tolerable for Paul. And there are times that I have to admit there are things I'd like to have healed in my body. I just keep going because I know God's grace is sufficient. Amen? He says, because the strength of God makes up the difference for the weakness in me. So once Paul came to terms with God about his situation, his testimony became most gladly. Amen? Therefore, I will glory in my infirmity. Amen? Amen. Now that, it, that doesn't mean if something's going on in, wrong in your life that you should be most gladly in celebrating it. If you got a problem going on in your life, just say, man, thank God I got more problems and difficulties. Give me some more. Amen. I want more hardships so I can have more grace. Man, you, you need to see a psych ward somewhere. <laughs> Amen? Don't even go there. That's not what he's saying at all. That doesn't mean that if there's something wrong, you're going to jump up and down and celebrate because it's probably not a lesson in humility at that point. But because of something you should have done, probably in the first place, that God brings you around to that point and says, this is where you stopped. Pick up the pieces here. My grace will cover it, and let's move on. Amen? For example, if you had a thorn in your foot, don't rejoice and forget about it. That thing could fester, could get infected, could be terrible, could even cause you to become crippled. Amen. Next time, wear shoes. Amen. Get your head on straight. But if the devil is putting you down through a messenger of his because you're standing for God in truth, rejoice in the fact that God's using you in a great way to minister the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. And, well, it came that uh, as Paul saw that as some kind of medal of honor God was given him to know that whatever he was going through, his grace would take care of it. He saw that as if you would, somebody patting him on the back saying, good job. And Paul came to terms with God over the situation he had. Now, I don't know, Paul's probably just like you and me. Any little thing that's kind of a setback, we always want to sit and stew over that little setback. And Paul and God and Paul, if they would, had a conversation over it. And he said, well, would you rather that setback hold you back? Or would you rather my grace keep pushing you forward? Amen? Well, it came to become a medal of honor for him that God gave him to bring him the victory in knowing that he knew he was doing what he should be doing for God. Amen? 
In summing it up, if you would, what Paul's saying here in verse 10, he says, therefore, that means let's keep everything in context. He says, I'm going to take pleasures now, and he lists five things. I'm going to take pleasure in infirmity. How many of you are glad you're sick? No. How about reproaches when people make fun of you, talk bad about you? Are you happy about that? No. In necessities, you got needs that aren't get take care of? Bank accounts, insufficient funds when you go to the ATM? Huh? You got necessities. Amen. Persecutions. People just piling on you day in, day out. Distresses. That's just stress with the address on it. Amen. There are times when everything's going wrong. But Paul says, and all these, when I look at them through Christ's sake, they take on a different perspective in my life. All those things I can carry if I know the grace of God and God is smiling on my life in what I'm doing. He says, for or because when I'm weak, then I'm strong because it's Christ that's strong in me. You see, it's not all about me. It's all about God, and it's all about souls. Anything else is immaterial. You can say what you want about what you've done for the church, what you've done, and what. And if you're not walking right, walking straight with God, not being an influence on somebody else, if you're not pleasing God, you're not having anyone else talk to you about God, maybe you need to take another look. Amen. Maybe all they see when they look at you is your thorn in the flesh. I believe Paul prayed about everything in his life. I just believe he was that kind of a guy. That where his strength came from to carry on his ministry, God gave him what he needed because he was a prayer, or a man of prayer, doing what he could be doing for God. Now, you and me, we're no different. Amen. If we want to get respect from God, if you would, or we want God's attention or grace from God or uh, healing from our infirmities or whatever else that comes our way, we got to come to terms with God. Amen. When we come to terms with God and make what we do in life always reflect the strength we have in Christ rather than what we may accomplish on our own merits in this life, God will be pleased with it. Amen. Remember now, our paradise and the third heaven, that's our goal. Everything else gets left behind. I know you've worked hard to get what you've got in this world. Nice house, nice clothes, lots of money, big cars, boats, whatever you've got, praise God for it. Amen. They're coming today. You're going to leave it all behind. Amen? Because none of that goes to paradise. Amen? God doesn't have any storage lockers in heaven. Amen? You won't need to take none of that stuff with you. Amen? It's not going to happen. Amen? Nothing you achieve in this life goes to the next life with you. So you need to make sure that you've come to terms with God. Do the best you can in this life. But don't make that your main issue. Amen? If your neighbor's got something better than you, thank God he does. And tell him you're proud of him for how hard he worked to get it. 
But then tell him how glad you are that God's walking in your life and the things you do are different priorities than that because you have a different end goal than he has. Amen? So come to God's term, come to terms with God first and stay daily up to date with God and watch him bless your life from there on out. Amen? Once he blesses you, don't go around bragging about it because it's not because you pulled yourself up by your own bootstraps. It's because God had something he wanted you to have. Now, once he blesses you, that's don't brag about it because what you have came from the grace of God. Because without God's help, your strength would not cut the mustard. It'd just be another weak person in this world if it weren't for the strength that God gives us. We need to stay in tune with God. We need to come to terms with Him and walk this life daily trying to be closer to God tomorrow than we were today. Amen? It's a constant walk. And remember, Jesus never said it'd be easy, just worth it.